Welcome to a God Shift podcast where we move you from disruption and delay into a greater destiny, expectancy, and possibility. I'm your host, Shana Rattler, and I'm a minister, author, and sought-after speaker. Join myself and other leaders who unapologetically share their story of when their life collided with God's purpose and put them on the path that was designed for them. You will learn how to bounce back from setbacks, disappointments, and uncertainty and unlock the door to confidence move into your next chapter. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of A God Shift. I am your host, Shana Rattler. Thank you so much for being here today. And before we get started with this conversation, I have a favor to ask of you. Wherever it is that you are listening to this episode, I want you to take a screenshot. With that screenshot, I want you to post it on your social media, tag us, here at A God Shift. And then I just want to hear your biggest aha moment or your biggest takeaway from this episode. Why do I do that? I do that because my mission for everything I create is for people to recognize that when they're going through challenging times, even if it's a positive thing, that there is hope on the other side of that and that there's God in the middle of that. And so the more times these episodes get shared, the more people that we can help in that way. All right, all right. Let me read my guest bio and we are going to get this party started. Come on, iPhone. There we go. My guest today is the hope-filled efficiency expert behind the Live Free Now movement. She is the author of the five-star rated One Year of Thankful Thursdays, the life-changing Peace of Mind Blueprint, inspirational speaker, breakthrough and legacy coach, real estate investor, and co-founder of Legacy Game Changers. She draws from her own inspirational journey, including homelessness, being a paramedic, being a health and safety director at the Red Cross during 9-11, nearly dying, and becoming a caregiver to her completely paralyzed mom. She talks about the hard stuff that most people shy away from, all while connecting in a unique way with compassion and pairs it all with practical, high-level strategies you can implement right away. Well, I want to hear about some of those, so I want to welcome to the show Susan Brown. Thank you, Shana, and thank you for what you do in serving all these amazing listeners who come to you for your wisdom and your guidance and everything you're pouring into them. So thank you, and y'all continue to support Shana and everything she does. Thank you. It's a labor of love. And, you know, on the days that I'm like, why am I doing this? I don't want to do this. I have to remember that people's lives are being impacted regardless of the number, regardless of the magnitude, people's lives are being impacted. So thank you um, for that encouragement. Susan, before we get into the meat of this conversation, I just want to lay the context a little bit for what is a God shift. My definition of a God shift is the moment a disruption in your life collides with God's purpose, and then that moves you into greater possibility. And so I believe, Susan, that God uses these disruptions, these unexpected circumstances, these trials, these challenging times, these positive things that blow our lives up and have us going, what What am I supposed to do? I believe that he uses those things to get our attention. And then when he has our our, our attention, that's when he can invite us into the life that he has planned for us. And so I would love if you could share a time with the listeners that you've actually had to overcome some form of disruption in order to get to where you are today. 
Yes, thank you. And I so agree with everything you said. Um, it's interesting how he likes to use our pain to be transformed into our purpose. So I'll take you back to um, Christmas Day, 2005. It was a Sunday. And um, my husband and I, we didn't have children yet. We were down here visiting in the Mobile, Alabama area, his family, who we hadn't seen in a while. And we left our phones in the truck during church. And we're having this great time. And I came out and um, there were these messages on my phone that, you know, God builds in. I learned this in my paramedic days. He builds in basically this kind of safety shield. When you hear something traumatic, you kind of go into movie mode. At first, you don't believe it. Then you think somebody's playing a practical joke. Then it starts to sink in. Then you kind of shut down. There's all this big process, right, that we won't get into right now. But the messages were, there's been a car wreck. We don't know if mom is going to survive. Um, come now. Where are you? Where are you? And uh, we did not normally leave our phones in there. We didn't do it on purpose. So we made the seven-hour trip back to Atlanta in four hours somehow um, and didn't get pulled over. And um, But what had happened is two cars on a just wet road from rain on a curvy road. Um, this is how providential God is. It was Christmas Day on the way to church on Noah's Ark Road. Wow. So that isn't providential enough for you. Um, and my mom was very young. She was only 58 at the time. She went from being a cancer surviving triathlete to a C1 quadriplegic in the blink of an eye. Um, and our C3 controls our breathing. Your C1, there is nothing higher but your brainstem. So instantly everything was taken from her and she coded quite a few times in the life flight to the hospital. Long story short, after much time in a drug-induced coma and ICU and getting transferred to the Shepherd's Spinal Center, um, during that time, my husband and I had some what seemed to be tough decisions to make. They weren't really tough to us. It's what you do. So I gave up the best paying job I'd had at the time. And looking back, it really wasn't that thrilling. I mean, you know, it was I was like a uh, investigator for a tax credit firm. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> details, but, um, but it we, paid well, it paid well. Um, and what was interesting is when I gave my notice to my boss, he said, you're going to regret this. And I said, you know, I'm really not, but I will regret. I could have taken care of my mom. I'm never going to look back 10 years from now and be like, wow, I wish I would have kept that job, but I will look back and say, I wish I would have had more time with my mom. Absolutely. So I gave up that job. We, um, in order to keep her at home, we needed to move in with them. So we gave up most of our belongings, gave them away, and we gave up our privacy and moved in with them and um, became her full-time caregiver, which was in the very early stages, literally 21 hours a day, um, if I slept those three hours. So it was a very traumatic disruption, and it wasn't something that... You're either you're either in or you're out. You couldn't just wait. It wasn't something that was kind of happening around us. It was just smack dab in the middle, like yeah. So that is um, definitely something that completely changed the course of our life. It was what we call our family calls our 9/11 moment. Um, everything changed. The way that you looked at everything changed. Buildings and um, grass looked different. Everything looked different. We were existing in what felt like a parallel universe. Um, and it was one thing as a paramedic to learn to do these things to save people's lives. But the level of her care was so, you know, people would say, I guess, you know, there's from being a paramedic. I'm like, well, we didn't take care of ICU, you know, 
people on this level for like long term. That's a separate. You were with you were with them for probably less than thirty minutes, and most ours was yes, ours was very intense, short lived. Get them to the next level of care. Um, I mean, granted, we would do all kinds of things on the scene that were life saving, but it was short lived. Get them to the next level of care, and so I she lived almost ten years to the day like that. And so this was also not something that I could pivot out of, you know, and I felt very stuck. I felt very trapped. There were times I felt very betrayed. I would be, I was very angry at God. I was angry at my mom, you know, all the phases of going through grief, because I think one thing people misunderstand is that grief is not just when you lose somebody, you know, grief can be any kind of traumatic event in your life, you know, um, divorces, people can have, you know, a lot of grief during that. Um, It's not just a loss of life. And this was a different type of loss. And it felt so invasive and it felt so intentional. And it was one of the times in my life, I believe that God actually hated me and didn't like me and all these false things. So that was a big disruption but when you're on the other side of it, you realize what is, I'm sure what you teach people, that it's actually not a disruption. That's the intention that is part of the plan. So the things that we feel like, you know, we would say, God, not not like this, not now, not after everything is what I was screaming the whole way back to the hospital because I didn't want her to die on Christmas Day after beating cancer through a car wreck. And so he didn't allow that, but he did allow long suffering. And my mom used to tell people during those years um, she would say, you know, sometimes God is a lot more glorified in our suffering than he ever is in our healing. And you don't need to look any further than the cross to see that. Because when people ask why, I think we have a unhealthy view of elevating ourselves. And I say that with a lot of compassion. Um, and the truth of the matter is maybe we don't recognize just how sinful we are and the lessons we need to learn. So I think the question more is, well, Yeah. Why not? But it's hard to ask those questions when you're in the midst of it. You just need people to come alongside you, comfort you, and hold your arms up, you know, because, yeah. yeah. I want to touch on something that you said about grief. Uh, You know, you talked about like the process of grief and, you know, sometimes it's a this and sometimes it's that. It's not always the loss of life. I was having a conversation with my pastor last night and we were talking about, and I've said this many, many times. So anyone who's listening will be like, that's not new to us. You say that all the time is that the hardest thing to let go of is what you had in mind. And there are times that if something doesn't go the way that we thought it would, or the way that we wanted it to, that you actually have to grieve the loss of that. Mm-hmm. And it's it may not always be a loss of a job. It may not always be a loss of a loved one. Sometimes it can be a loss of what it is that I had planned. Now, sometimes that's attached to the loss of a loved one or something, you know, physical in nature. But I think that it's important. I like what you, how you touched on the grieving process a little bit, because grieving is not always death, death related. And it's very important that we learn what it is that we're supposed to learn take the time to grieve so that we can actually move forward. So I would love for you to share with us, Susan, like, what did you learn during that time? I'm sure you learned a lot about God, but what did you learn about Susan during this whole process? Yeah. Well, and connected to that answer is kind of touching on something you just said, a a huge loss that people don't think about is a loss of freedom. And I don't mean in the sense of like, oh, a 
necessarily like a change of jobs or hours, but I mean, caregivers are basically all around us. And I like to joke that they look like normal people. They talk like normal people, but they're truly the superheroes of this world. Because when you have a child and that child is being raised, um, Lord willing, you're raising that child to be independent. But as you're caregiving for somebody, it's not usually going to get better. It's going to, so you are going to become more needed, more needed. And so your loss of freedom is a real thing and it's a real struggle. And I think that's where uh, God really met me the most and sent me the most people. So in order to answer that, what I learned is I learned that it's okay to be angry with God, that he's big enough to handle it all. And if you don't give it to him, he knows it's there anyway. So you're really just deceiving yourself. Correct. Um, it's not like he didn't know. <laughs> oh, and it's it's okay to just get that stuff out there. It's better to get it out there than it is to hold it in. Um, I had a good friend one time and I was uh, in the middle of literally my mom was about to die and I couldn't grab her trach and her ventilator was popping and I was moving her, changing ventilators. And I thought, my gosh, this is the moment. And I, I couldn't even hardly think straight. I thought my mother is going to die in my hands and it's going to be my fault. And that was my one prayer. I'm like, God, please don't let her die on my watch. I, I won't be able to survive this. So at the last moment, my dad walks in and I said, dad, it's not, she's not, I can't get it through. You know, I've changed her inner cannula, all these things. So he walks in and he, um, or no, I hadn't changed her inner cannula. I had like vacuum deep suctioned all this stuff. He comes in, he pops out, pops new one in and she's fine. And I run up to the top of the stairs and I'm just bawling and I'm shaking. And I just know, surely I'm going to die like right now at the top of the steps because I literally don't know how to even move anymore, much less function. And um, a friend comes up there and she says, Susan, it's okay. I know you're angry at God. And I said, I'm not angry. And she was like, you're angry. I'm like, I'm not angry. That's like the response of an angry person. (laughs) (laughs) And she said, you are angry. She said, but has nobody ever told you that God's big enough to handle that? She said, give it to him, give it to him. So I think that's something that like in our culture, we're like, oh, like you were talking about earlier, like the church sometimes kind of just like doesn't serve us the way that the church is supposed to. And one of my favorite verses is second Corinthians one, three through four. You know, it actually tells us why God comforts us. I'm going to read the first part, so I don't get it wrong. But blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that, which you and I both know what that means, that's, oh, here comes the reason. Because he doesn't just comfort us so we can, like, have the feel-goods and be comforted. Oh, there's Correct. a reason. So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. So, you know, here was my friend comforting me with comfort she had received, I'm sure in a previous time. So, you know, as your job, Shana, and my job is to comfort those with the comfort we have received from Christ. And so the first thing I had to learn to do, which is what I go back to in the book of one year of thankful Thursdays is I had to learn to get in deep gratitude, which is a really, really difficult thing to do when you're in a constant 24 seven life and death battle and watching somebody you love so much suffer so greatly, never ending and alone and feeling invisible. And like literally the whole world is going to collapse. But what I have learned is that, and this is really a hard truth. So to my people who are listening, who are going through hard things, I'm not saying this without compassion. I'm saying it with the deepest compassion. 
is until you can learn to be grateful in the really hard, treacherous, dark times, even for just for one little thing, like one tiny little thing, like, oh, I had a meal today. Like that's, that's gratitude. Then you really won't ever be grateful because the circumstances around us are always going to be changing, right? Whether you have $1 in the bank, $1 million in the bank, it doesn't matter because if your happiness and contentness is dependent on those circumstances, then those are the things that control you. Yep. So you have to learn to be grateful no matter where you are. And that's actually the first step of all my coaching I walk people through because gratitude actually is changes your vision and how you see things. Correct. I, I would add to that, Susan, that that is also the foundation and like a prerequisite for literally being able to get anything we want in life. And when I say get what we want in life, I'm not talking about stuff, although I'm sure it applies to that as well. But if we're looking for a breakthrough in any area of our life, if we're looking for growth in any area of our life, we first have to, number one, appreciate what it is that God has already given us and steward well what we already have. But praising God is 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 the key that unlocks heaven. Yes. Reading a book right now, and um, it's by my pastor, and it's called Switch Your Season. And in the very first, in the very introduction, in the beginning of the book, he talks about before I can get into anything that is going to help you switch your season, you have to give God praise. It is so important that we're thankful and that we're grateful for who he is, what it is that he's done, what he's doing now, what he's going to do. And so even if you don't know where you're going, even if you can't make heads or tails out of what is going on in your life and it feels like you're being destroyed and you're never going to get on the other side of this, you better hear my voice. You better find something to be thankful for and you better learn to give God praise in spite of it or you can expect nothing to change. Yes. Nothing. Yes. And the thing is, you can be grateful for things and see him in those things. So I have a friend, um, I have a few friends who have actually lost children. And even in that, maybe the gratitude is, I'm glad I had them. Maybe it can't even be for something in the present. If you're in the middle of deep, dark grief like that, that's okay. There might be something in the past. Yeah. And you know, it may not be linked to what you're going through because right. sometimes we're not able to find the silver lining. <laughs> right. And the thing with that is, is that we have this thing called our RAS. I'm going to get a little bit geeky for a second. It's your reticular activating system. Yes. A bundle of nerves, you know about this, I'm sure, located at the base of your skull. And its actual job is your focus and to filter out what's going on around us. Like the only reason you and I can look at each other right now and have this conversation and not be like, Oh, I've got to go here, here is because of our RAS. And what is so frustrating is that people don't realize you can reprogram that. So when you meet people who always find the negative, that's because that's what they're looking for, but they don't even know it because it's the subconscious. It's the filter between your subconscious and your conscious mind. You know, our subconscious is always on and people get all woo-woo about that. That's great, whatever you think about it, but it's the reason you and I are alive when we sleep. That's our subconscious. It keeps our heart beating, all the things going through our brain. So what you choose to focus on, especially right before you go to bed is really important. And 
That is why I say the gratitude is linked to where you see God, because gratitude is a vision problem. It is a vision issue. And when you start to see things around you, and then you start to be programming your RAS to be looking for the good things and the God things, then you will find them. So all of a sudden, as I was caregiving for my mom and things were dark, then I would say, wow, look at this tube I'm holding in my hand that gives her air. That's like God giving me breath. And then I would pray, I'm like, God, give me wisdom, show me things. So he started to open up doors for me. And we started to find all these amazing things we could do. And we could figure out with her and places we could transport her and different equipment I could get so that it would make it more on the move. And then I came up with this like off the charts, organizational supreme system that was able to keep everything we did with her in one place and keep all the caregivers on board. And so then I was asked, you got to put that into something for like the everyday people. So now I have that and that's the peace of mind system and ensures your legacy guarantees it's here for the next generation. Because one thing people don't talk about enough is communication. You know, what you and I are doing is talking, but what is the Bible? It's basically God's love letter to us, right? Of course, the joke is the acronym is basic instructions before leaving earth. But why do we stop doing that? Why do we not do that with each other? Why do we think, oh, it's so scary. I'm going to die. I want to talk about it. Well, I mean, okay. You know, like that's okay. It can be scary, but you still go there anyway. So I think that's that's the other thing that caregiving has taught me is that, yeah, you can do it scared, but you do it anyway. Everybody is afraid. Anybody who says otherwise is lying. Courage is just fear that moves forward anyway. Correct. Correct. So, Susan, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to give um, a couple more tips of how people can begin to bring everything together in their life when they're facing disruption. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by the free guide, When God Says Shift. Inside, you'll discover the four shifts required to reveal God's plan to ditch disruption or delay and get his blessings faster. Head to GodSaysShift.com to access it now. All right, all right. So Susan, we've talked a lot about, you know, giving praise and giving gratitude. I believe that that is something that every one of us can start to do right now. One of the questions that I usually ask my guests is, if somebody finds themselves in the middle of disruption, what is something that everybody can start to do right now? And I think that finding something to be thankful for and giving God praise in the middle of whatever it is that you're going through is something that every single one of us can do right now. But you've written a lot of books. You've done a lot of things. Um, much like myself, you have a background in healthcare, and now you're helping people you know, figure out how to do this thing called life. And so- If someone is listening to this right now and they're thinking, I really want to make sure that I'm doing everything that I can to make sure that I come on the other side of this disruption positive, or then I might not be going through anything right now, but when it comes up again, I want to be equipped to handle it. What would be the best tip that is in one of your resources that we can do beyond gratefulness and and praise? Oh, I love this question. I'm so glad you asked. Um, I'm teetering between two to share with you right now, but I'll, I'll give you this one. Um, this one is you gotta pick one. Pick this one. This one is super, super, super important, and I think has just been completely lost in our culture because we've been trained that we have to be the recipients, but is to actually 
think like the CEO of your life and in your life and not the consumer. And this sounds really simplistic, but it's important to take it to every part of your life. So when it comes to social media, are you thinking like a consumer when you get on there? Are you thinking like the CEO? You don't have to sit there and scroll endlessly. When you choose a TV show or a movie or a radio to listen to and to put into your brain, because it is going into your subconscious, are you thinking like the CEO and where you want to be and where this is going to take you? When hard things come up, think like the CEO and what that does, and this is actually a helpful part of that, is it detaches you a little bit from all the emotions and you're able to think, okay, so like I'm caregiving for my mom. This is horrible. You can say things like this sucks. This is scary. But if I was the CEO right now, the medical director, and I came in here, what would I do? And it enables you to have that degree of separation, make the tough decisions, get them done. And now you're up leveling what you're capable of. And then you can be, wow, I'm grateful for that. Okay. So thinking like the CEO is really important. And a little secret tip with that is to write in black Sharpie, really important. It's a black Sharpie. So it's permanent. CEO and your name. So it'd be CEO, Shana Rattler, CEO, Susan Brown, and tape that to your bathroom mirror and then have one by your computer and remind yourself that. So to get out of your own head a little bit, you are the CEO of your life. Obviously God is the COO of everything else, you know? Correct. But we have a role, but we have a role to play. Yes. And we have to stop being so passive and sitting back and being like, this is happening to me. This is happening to me. No, it's time to rise up and take back our God-given power that he has given us and think and behave like the CEO of your life. That's great for control freaks too, because you know so many of us want to be in control and God reminds us all the time that there's so much that we're not in control of. And so for those of you who love to be in control, you're now a CEO. <laughs> That's right. You are. Susan, thank you so much for being here today. Before we begin to wrap up, how can our listeners follow you on social media? Yes, I'm most active on Facebook, but I'm also on Instagram. You can find me at Susan Brown Coaching um, on Facebook. And also, if you would like to get something more like the Think Like the CEO and Not the Consumer, where I break it down, you can go to livefreechecklist.com. And the reason I chose that name is I think I felt trapped for so long in depression, anxiety, overwhelm. And I think that that's a common thing that we all experience that just trap and nobody sees me and hears me and we just need to be set free. So go to livefreechecklist.com. That'll give you my top three tips of living free and breaking through of those cycles. That is so good. I'm going to make sure that the link to that is in the show notes. Everyone share, share, share this episode um, and download that freebie because all of us need to be free from something. And if, you know, my grandmother used to say, if you haven't been through anything, just keep living. So if you haven't been through anything, just keep living and you're going to have something you're not going to, you're going to have more than one something that you're going to need to get free from. And so download that freebie. I'm going to make sure that the link to that is in the show notes, share, share, share this episode. Susan, again, thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate you. Um, Everyone, I ask that you go back and listen to previous and future episodes as well. Everyone have a fantastic day. Bye-bye. I want to thank you for listening to the God Shift Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. And remember to put God first and everything will fall into place.